as Dr. Sylvia Earle likes to say, you know, we're the blue planet, not the brown planet. We are made up mostly of ocean. And without that ocean, everything else shuts down. And so it's a it's a critical life force to everything. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. And thanks for listening in today as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining us today from the Seattle Aquarium, Tim Cunahome. It's a pleasure to be here. Tim is with the Seattle Aquarium. Director of Public Affairs. We were talking just a little before how COVID has changed so many things. One of the first things I posted during COVID was several of the zoos let their animals out. Did you see that? Like the penguins? Oh, yes. Yeah, they did to get a little freedom to roam around in the in the public spaces. Yeah, that was really wonderful. Some way, because they were all missing the guests coming in, but interesting for them to be on sort of the other side of the exhibits. Right. But yours are all in water. So that really can't happen. Ours are all in water. And no, they don't roam in the public spaces. So tell me about how COVID affected the aquarium. Well, COVID really did affect our team a ton, as it did our our nation, our country, our city, our county, our state. It had huge impacts on us. We were closed over 200 days during two impacted closures. Uh, for the Seattle Aquarium, but we've we've done really well, and I you know I have a hard time complaining given our our friends in the theater and performing arts venues as well that have uh, been just impacted even deeper than than we have. So we managed to survive all of those closed closed down to sort of our essential staff only because obviously we closed to the public, but we didn't close to our animals, our fish and our mammals and and all of our collection got regular care by our our staff behind the scenes during during that particular time. And it was like you mentioned earlier with the animals that were kind of wandering from other zoos and locations outside in the public spaces having our staff work behind the scenes was just as if it were the same as we'd invited guests in, only there were no guests at all. So it was, it was rather, uh, rather surreal um, at times, for sure. Tell me how many aquariums you have. How many aquariums we have? You mean as far as exhibits go? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm going to get a trick question. I don't have that number off the top of my head. I can tell you that, you know, two of our main exhibits, like the Window on Washington Waters, Exhibit has over 120,000 gallons in it for, for a single exhibit. And we have many, many uh, jewel tanks. But as far as an experience at the Seattle Aquarium, it's a little more interactive when you come and visit us. So we have open tide pools that uh, families and kids and kids of all ages can put their hands in the tide pools and experience those critters firsthand. I like to refer to us as sometimes the glassless uh, aquarium is that you can actually interact with many of our animals and see them. Uh, through the water, but not with a, not necessarily with a barrier in those tight pool areas. And it's really a great way to engage with our staff, volunteers, and to learn about those animals that you might encounter on, on our urban beaches right here in, in Seattle. So you can, you can learn about those critters and learn how to interact, how to touch them with one finger. And then at low tides, uh, you can actually experience that in the wild, the urban wild. Tell me about this Pacific Northwest tank. What do you have? Just fish? What's everything you have in it? Well, our aquarium is, a, you know, features obviously uh, Pacific Northwest critters for sure. The Window on Washington Waters exhibit, as I mentioned, 120,000 gallons of, of, of exhibit with a window into it that's about 20 feet high and 40 feet wide that angles out over you. And it's a glimpse into the area of Nia Bay out on our coast where we collect a lot of our animals and where a lot of those animals live. And it's a recreation of what we call mushroom rock. 
And it's an actual place that you can go, go visit. And it's a recreation. When we built that exhibit, working with rock artists, biologists, um, you name it, came together to just make that environment look exactly as if it were out on the coast. Many people don't get to don, you know, scuba gear and get beneath the surface and actually get to go visit those, those critters. So by building this exhibit, it allowed everybody to come in and get a glimpse of what it looks like um, at 30 feet on all those different, all those different animals. We have salmon, we have wolf eels, we have rockfish, um, we have just basically many, many, many species that you find in those ecosystems here. So it's sort of the locals on, only in that exhibit. And what's really unique about that exhibit is multiple times a day, we'll put divers in the water. So um, they can actually talk to you from underwater. We have what we call an AGA mask that our divers will wear. Our interpretive divers will wear that mask and it's got a microphone inside of it so that they can actually see the folks on the other side of that 12 and a half inch thick plexiglass and, and talk with them just as if we'll, you know, we're talking here right now. And it's really amazing when you see the young kids that can actually talk to a diver, give them a high five through that acrylic. It's as if they're experiencing an astronaut in outer space. It's inner space, I guess. You have the fish. Do you have the, the ground animals, sea urchins, things like that? You have everything you find in a, in a tide pool, sea urchins, sea stars, anything, you know, sand dollars, things you find on the, the beach, the beach here for dis display and discussion. What about the things you can't see, like clams? You know, we do have a lot of those. We actually bring the, the unseen and make them, make them um, throughout our exhibits. So one of my favorite fish, and we have that in the Puget Sound, the under uh, Puget Sound fish exhibit, is a fish called a Pacific spiny lump sucker. And they're very small little fish. And they're very round down and see them because they're just absolutely fantastic. One of my favorite. It's almost if you took a... Uh, a small goldfish, and it swallowed a golf ball. That would be kind of what a, a Pacific spiny lump sucker looks like. It's got one little suction cup on its uh, near, its, near its mouth and holds onto the rocks. It's found here locally. It has just a really wonderful name to say, so Pacific spiny lump sucker. They're also found very close to uh, what we call grunt sculpins. Grunt sculpins look like a little medieval miniature horse that is wearing armor, and they crawl around on local rocks. The reason they're called grunt Sculpins is because if you listen very carefully underwater, like a diver, you're very close to them, they grunt like a little pig. Uh, they make this little, this little uh, audio noise that you can hear, and that's where they get their name from, grunt sculpin. They're really, really fantastic. So if you want to see two true locals come to the Seattle Aquarium, visit us, and ask, look, because they're very small, for uh, Pacific Spidey lump, lump Suckers. Would that be the password? Are they going to say what's the password? And you have it's to. It's the secret that. password. Yes, it is. If you if, if you mention those two, one one of our interpreters will definitely guide you right to the place where they can they can be found. And we have volunteers and staff that work the floor. They love to talk about our Pacific Northwest critters, and those are two of the top favorites that they love to tell stories about. Those, and I would also suggest that one of the favorites would be the wolf eels because they're really like the puppy dogs of the sea. So we have wolf eels in two main exhibits in the Window and Washington Waters exhibit that I mentioned earlier and in the underwater dome. And when our divers go in to do public feedings, those, uh, those wolf eels will flock out, sit with them like puppy dogs waiting to be you know, fed or to interact. They're just really magnificent creatures. When you look at their faces, they look like they're little old men or little old women. They're kind of shriveled up and got big lips and kind of got some snarly little snaggletooth teeth that hang out. 
scary, uh, but when you start seeing them in their natural environment, they're really, really, truly wonderful, and they're a real treat when they're when they're out. If you get a chance to see them. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest on the beach on Whidbey Island. As a kid, I didn't know how lucky I was. And I remember when my kids were in school, they took a field trip to Fort Casey and they got to experience all of that. And I'm like, who hasn't felt a sea urchin, right? I didn't even understand how lucky I was. And it's so beautiful that the aquarium has preserved not only what's here in Washington and the Pacific Northwest, but also you have probably things from other places, right? We do, yes. We we specialize in you know Northwest waters and what happens you know right here in the Salish Sea, but also feature species from Hawaii and from the Coral Triangle. Right now, the aquarium is getting ready for an expansion that will come in 2024. We're building a new ocean pavilion, and much of that will be centered around our tropical collection, warm water species, natural corals that are just wonderful, beautiful, and they allow us to tell a larger one world ocean story. So we can talk about the ocean, what happens here in the Puget Sound, but also what we do here in the Puget Sound affects what you know happens across the ocean because it's all connected. There really aren't seven seas. It's one, it's one ocean. We love to be able to tell that story. So by being able to bring in more diversity, we're able to talk about climate change, clean waters, resilience, and all those type of things and talk about what's happening across the globe as well. And what's interesting is we plan towards that exhibit. You know, we are very sustainable and conservation-based with our collection. We're actually planning well ahead of that and growing coral right here on site. It's really wonderful. We've built out a coral nursery. We're using every space of the aquarium we have, and we actually put some of that on display out for the public to see. It's not a beautiful tank with lots of fish in it that you're normally used to seeing from us, but it's actually a nursery where we're demonstrating how we can grow coral within our own walls here on Pier 59 for display without having to take anything from the the natural environment because they're very slow growing. How slow? It can be years. It can be years. So we're expecting corals now that won't go on display until after 2024. And and depending upon the species, um, some grow faster than others, all relatively slow. But we're many different species we're working on behind the scenes so that we're prepared when the doors open and guests come into that expansion. They'll be able to see everything in all its glory. That's funny. You're like, my job, I grow coral. (laughs) We do. We do. We have Andy Sim on our staff who's in charge of the Coral Baby Nursery. Uh, He loves to talk about all the different, different corals. He's a very, very, very talented biologist. And there is so much science behind all of this. The water quality, the temperature, the light. Everything has to be just perfect to replicate Mother Nature. And they do an amazing, amazing job. So much so that we grow coral here and we share it with other institutions so that other institutions don't need to collect as well. The aquarium and zoo world is very, very collegial. And we will share animals back and forth, you know, as needed for animal diversity, to establish you know, populations for display and for education. So it's really, really a wonderful team to work with. I'm not a biologist. I'm a diver. I'm an enthusiast. I get to work with scientists and biology and biologists all day long. And it's just fascinating. There's not a day that I come to work that I don't learn something new and something fascinating by a creature that I've never really been able to focus on before. So as a diver, you probably dive here, but have, do you dive in other countries? Do you do that wherever you go? I try to. My son now has just turned 18 and we dove for the first time in Mexico earlier this year together. And that was absolutely fascinating. 
Um, it's such a great experience to do that within your family. So I don't get to travel as much as I like to, but Hawaii, Mexico, the Caribbean, some of those warm water places are just wonderful uh, to visit and to dive. But I have to say, here in the Pacific Northwest, there's some of the best diving in the entire world. It was one of Jacques Cousteau's favorite places to come and dive because of the animal diversity that, that lives here. The rich waters of the Salish Sea and Puget Sound with their tidal flow allows lots of creatures to come and go and to live and thrive. Um, it's why it's so important that we're in the conservation business and trying to preserve and protect that for generations to come and educate people about what really lies beneath the surface here at Puget Sound. What's your favorite place around here to dive? Diving off the back of Pier 59, we do what we call OTS dives uh, over the side. So we do that for research. Um, I've had the opportunity to enter uh, Puget Sound from the back of Pier 59 a couple of times. And that's really a wonderful experience to dive beneath the pier pilings of uh, the Seattle Aquarium. But I would have to say some areas in the San Juan Islands are just absolutely gorgeous. Edmonds, the underwater park there is absolutely wonderful. It's been a few years since I've dove out there, but I know many of our volunteer divers dive there and other places regularly. They do a lot to clean the areas up, to pull up trash, plastic, things that they find in those areas. And what we've seen in the marine protected areas like Edmonds and others in the underwater park, that the animals, the fish, the kelp, the eelgrass, things are, they come back and they actually thrive and survive in other areas that aren't protected. And so they make a big difference. And by the divers sort of preserving and protecting those areas, it makes a big difference for our environment. So they're really ambassadors for, for our Puget Sound area. I was going to ask what brought you to this work. You did say diving. Is there anything else that stirred your passion for this? I, like you, grew up in the Northwest. And some of my favorite childhood memories are out on the beach or on fishing piers, you know, just experiencing what's beneath the surface. And I graduated from the University of Washington in communications, marketing, and business. And I was a consultant to the aquarium. They were one of my clients. I was doing promotions and things for them from the outside. And I had an opportunity to go to work with this team and provide some leadership. It's been 20 years now that I've been with the aquarium team, believe it or not. I raised my children during that particular time, and I wouldn't change a thing. It's just, like I said, different every day, whether we're out collecting and displaying giant Pacific octopuses, doing research for six-gill sharks, out on the coast with the team uh, doing otter census for um, Alaskan sea otters and helping regenerate populations out there. It's absolutely wonderful. I can't think of another conservation organization with a mission to inspire conservation of our marine environment that I could, I could ever imagine working for. So. So many people want meaningful work, and it sounds like not only is it like just it supplies your needs as a job, but you sincerely are making a huge difference. I believe we are, and, and we're growing all of the time. The young people that are coming into the organization are so dedicated to education, to talking about our animal collection. You know, Most of our animals that we have are rescue or rehab animals that can't be returned, and they are really ambassadors for their species. We see in a non-COVID year, we see 850 to 900,000 guests a year. And that is a huge opportunity for us to educate both locals and tourists coming through the Seattle Aquarium about what's happening right here at home and projects we're, work, we're working on across the ocean. So the Coral Triangle in Indonesia and Raja Ampat, and we're trying to help restore shark populations that have just been decimated through fishing and human interaction. And if we can have a small part to start bringing some of those 
key predators and keystone species into those environments and looking at those environments as a whole, then I think we're really making a difference to helping our planet become more sustainable. We like to use the term regenerative. The aquarium is not only looking at sustainable practices, but regenerative practices so that we can be not only just maintaining, but putting back into the planet, the ocean, things that it, it needs and it has long been crying for. Now, if people want to come to the aquarium, because it's open, right? We are open. Yes, we are. But... <laughs> no, no, no. We're thankful to welcome guests in. We have plan ahead pricing. So it's online ticketing, time ticketing. And so we manage our guest counts so that we can keep everyone safe so that we don't have overcapacity through our buildings. And the aquarium is 60% outdoors. So we don't require masks of our guests right now, but however, we strongly encourage them. So people even that are vaccinated to come visit us, enjoy their experience, bring their masks. And I think they will find a very safe environment to be able to enjoy a family experience throughout the aquarium and come back. One of the, you know, we encourage people to buy memberships because a Seattle Aquarium visit is different, different from the winter to the summer, to the morning, to the afternoon. You know, one of the things I always find when I'm down on a filming project early in the morning or late at night, the octopuses will come out and they're a, you know, early morning and late and they're very active in the exhibit. And a lot of times people that come during the day aren't necessarily able to see all of that activity. They may if we do a feeding, uh, but there's just all sorts of super fun things that can just happen spontaneously. So it, with a family membership, you get to have more access. How is parking? Parking and, and construction, it's sort of the new norm for Seattle, right? It seems like everything is just sort of challenging here and there. We do have uh, two parking garages close to the Seattle Aquarium and street parking. What's really you know, unique right now is that if you come to the waterfront and you visit the Seattle Aquarium, we have a voucher that we can provide you free of charge for three hours of parking in the Pike Place Market Garage. So you simply just need to visit a waterfront merchant and ask for a voucher and we'll cover your first three hours of parking so that we can uh, make your visit even just a little bit more enjoyable. And of course, that's just across the street from the aquarium. So it's really easy to get in and get out, even if you've got, you know, family, extended family with mobility issues or, or whatnot. It's, it's uh, very accessible. What is your personal favorite exhibit? Oh, that's like trying to ask me what my favorite kid is. How about this? Today. Today? Today, Wednesday. What's your favorite exhibit? <laughs> oh, gosh. A regular favorite of mine has to be the giant Pacific octopus. Uh, really. I mean, and we have this new connection with our NHL team here in Seattle, the Kraken. We've had a lot of fun back and forth showing off uh, our animals and getting ready for that team to take the ice this fall. They're just such amazing creatures. They're cousins to an oyster. And they have big brains and big eyes. Um, they're just really fascinating, fascinating creatures. And the lifespan of a giant Pacific octopus is only three to four years. So it will grow from a rice-sized egg, octopus egg, to an adult-sized octopus in the wild. It can be 100, 200 pounds if it, if it reaches full maturity. So they grow very, very, very fast. I just can't even explain it. They can change their color, their texture, their mood. They have what we call facial recognition. They can, they can differentiate between what you look like and what I look like and if that person is going to give me food or not. We just learn more and more about them all the time, and they're always a favorite. And we don't want to anthropomorphize our animals, but we also think that you know some of them have personalities. Some are, some are more challenging than others. Some are more friendly. Some are just have different attributes about them. And so they're always just 
fascinating to me. I do have to bring this up. It won an Oscar, my octopus teacher. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, my octopus. Yes, yeah, that's a, a fascinating Netflix film. I did watch that. A lot of people in the community were really wowed by that documentary. Um, was was fabulous. Yeah, it's really worth the watch because uh, when you were talking about the octopus and personalities and changing colors, when I watched that, I was so amazed at just the brilliance of these creatures that we can't even see <laughs> unless we're in the water with them. No, it truly is a, a piece of film work that is just absolutely incredible for him to follow that particular animal every day over a year and the lifespan of that of, of that animal is just absolutely incredible. It's truly, for those that have not seen it, they really need to go seek it out now. It's a love affair, I believe. It's yes. between, between the filmmaker and, and this one unique animal living in, in its environment and how he had to adapt his own body to the cold water to be able to uh, visit daily, follow this, this particular critter, critter around. So. That would be a, a great thing. Do the movie night before and then go to the aquarium the next day absolutely yeah and come visit come visit the real thing and you know you don't have to go through all of the the suffering the cold and the pain that that he did you know you can see it through the glass of our acrylic up close and personal um, and really get a sense you can look into their eye and you can actually dream about what that octopus is looking back at you and uh, you know what it might be you know thinking or experiencing it's dead as a diver this is something that I wondered about after watching that movie. As a diver, could you imagine acclimating to the Puget Sound? I could not. I could not. I tell you, I like warmer water. I don't have the discipline it would take to, to do that. When I dive here, I dive in a dry suit, so I don't, I don't get wet at all. And I'm a little bit spoiled in that department, you know, because our, our water here, depending upon the depth, is anywhere from 48 to 55 degrees. And that's, uh, that's chilly. What's your best fish encounter as a diver? Best fish. I think one of the funniest ones is actually um, diving in, in one of our exhibits here at the Seattle Aquarium in the Underwater Dome. It's, uh, you know, over 300,000 gallons in that particular exhibit, close to 400,000. And everybody else is the sharks, the sharks, there's specific tiny dogfish in there. Are you worried about the sharks? No, not no. The sharks are, are, no, are no threat to the divers or, or to humans, and, you know, in any way, shape or form. But when you're feeding and the salmon are very aggressive during the springtime and they will school together at high speeds, was feeding one day and had a very large salmon come at me and just hit me, knock my mask off and push my hood back. And I got a rush of cold, cold water down my dry hood. And I think that that just really was a surprise. I was not expecting for this large salmon to be the one thing that would rip a hole in my dry suit and knock my mask off. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's a whole new thing to the pike place where they throw the salmon at you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You flying know, fish. Flying fish is a real thing. Right. Well, you know, there's a name for that when you get that rush of cold. It's called Wim Hof. <laughs> Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. No. So it's something that people do. They try to get really cold every day by like turning their shower on full cold or whatever. So you got, you got your full cold for that day. I wake up. Yeah. We used to call it when we would go out diving at Alki, just sort of the Puget Sound kiss. You know, you put your face just to try to accommodate it and get it really cold to begin with and then put on your mask and then it wouldn't feel so cold later. But that first Puget Sound kiss is, is brutal. 
I was going to say, there's, there's nothing like growing up on the beach here in Puget Sound and the stories. Everyone that works in the aquarium community, um, and we have a lot that have come from Colorado and other places, but when they first encounter the beaches here and the beauty and the creatures, they're just smitten for life. And they volunteer with us. We have volunteers from teens. Both my kids were teen naturalists and volunteered at the aquarium all the way up to seniors that are so diligent about helping us depending upon the season, oh, 120 or so full-time employees, but over a thousand volunteers. And so folks that want to get involved in the aquarium and experience everything from diving to feeding animals, to working on events, when events come back, to you name it, I don't think we'd be able to survive without our generous volunteer pool. They are just absolutely amazing. If people want to find out more about how to volunteer at the Seattle Aquarium, they can visit our website at seattleaquarium.org and there's information about the trainings and how you can get involved at, at any age. And what are your hours? Our hours, our tickets are available. Our first ticket comes in at 9.30 and we close at 6. So our last entry comes into the building about 5, 5 p.m., seven days a week. I think we, we're generally closed Christmas Day and New Year's Day. And you guys have Diving Santa, right? You know, we have in the past, it's a, it's a tradition where we'll put Diving Santa in our exhibits and do story time with the kids. With the COVID impacts right now, I'm not sure we're going to be able to bring Diving Santa back. We will have Diving Santa photo opportunities through our photo partner, Showtime Pictures. So when you come into the aquarium, you'll be able to leave with a souvenir photo that includes Diving Santa in your background. Well, Tim, thank you so much. I think people think of the aquarium as entertainment. People don't realize that not only is it a huge community and volunteer opportunity, but it's education. Rescue, science, research. You know, there's a lot of firsts at the Seattle Aquarium. We were the first aquarium in the world to captive raise and breed to an adulthood, an Alaskan sea otter back in the, back in the 70s. Our researchers, Dr. Sean Larson, developed the first pregnancy test of a sea otter for managing care, and that's across the, the globe. And many, many of those first came right out of the Seattle Aquarium here. So we are a treasure for locals for Puget Sound. We're not just for, for tourists. So we love our tourists when they do come into town, but we're really a basis for education, conservation, and as I mentioned, regenerative conservation is that we're not only doing enough to preserve and protect what we have right now, but we are cleaning and doing more for the environment than just baseline. So those are really our aspirations as we bring on board the new ocean pavilion that will open in 2024 and some of the new exhibits that we'll be able to display them. Oh gosh, just thank you for this opportunity and for folks that want to learn more about any of our um, items at the Seattle Aquarium, please visit our website or follow at seattleaquarium.org or follow us on all of our social channels, Instagram, Facebook, at Seattle Aquarium. And there's always something fun to do and see. So come on down and visit us. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community. 